0: Stop what you're doing and take off your shoe. Now remove your sock, being sure to place your bare foot back in the shoe to avoid catching the chair. Place the sock over your hand and open and close the gap between your thumb and fingers. Congratulations! In the most primitive sense possible, you've just made a puppet. In no sense, however, can you call yourself a puppeteer. Here's the
1: difference.
0: A puppet can be as primitive a creation as you like, but only a puppeteer can convincingly imbue it with life. Puppets can take many different forms. Hand puppets, ventriloquist dummies, plasticine sculptures and marionettes and strings. Puppets can be as small as your finger, or as large as an entire stage. They can be as intricate as a machine or as basic as a shadow. Anyone can wave a puppet around, make its mouth flap or its limbs jerk, but only a puppeteer has the necessary skill to make an audience believe momentarily that a puppet is alive. The best in the business are so good at this that the thought of their beloved creations packed up in a suitcase is genuinely upsetting. The idea of a lifeless Kermit draped over a chair or Sooty hanging from a washing line is disturbing to even picture. And could not be rectified by thrusting a four on up them yourself. All you gotta do
1: is wiggle your little hand.
0: because the result would not be the desired resurrection of the characters you adore but a devastating approximation of your earlier sock manipulation rendered somehow even less impressive by the introduction of a more sophisticated puppet. That is why being a successful puppeteer takes far more than getting your hands on or in a puppet. You need the skill the dedication and the imagination to bring that puppet magically to life. Now put your sock back on. Hello, I'm Andy Golding and welcome to a very special episode of Spoiler in which, in the run-up to our Series 7 premiere episode on Jim Henson's Labyrinth, I'll be talking to puppeteer, actor, producer and director Nigel Plaskett. In a long and varied career, Nigel has helped bring to life childhood favourites like Pipkin's Hartley Hare and Round the Bend's Vince Vermin, changed the face of satirical comedy as one of the principal puppeteers on Spitting Image, and worked on Hollywood hits such as Little Shop of Horrors and The Muppet Christmas Carol, and helped train the next generation of puppeteers through his workshops for stage musical Avenue Q, and his work in setting up and casting international versions of the long-running children's masterpiece Sesame Street. I began by asking Nigel what first attracted him to puppetry as a career.
2: Well, it's more accident than anything, to be (laughs) absolutely honest. Um, I I didn't start out to become a puppeteer. Um, I started out to be an actor. I wanted to do that. And about a year into my professional life, I'd been working for Bill Kenwright doing tours, one of his first tours. This is quite a long time ago.
1: Um,
2: And uh, I got a phone call from somebody that I had known from some years before when I worked at the Little Angel in my school holidays the Little Angel is a puppet theatre in Islington Mm. Uh, and I got into uh, puppets as a kid I was playing with puppets basically um, you know doing shows and that sort of thing part of it I think is because um, when I was a kid uh, I could have full control over the whole cast it was a kind of megalomaniac (laughs) you know you could do everything yourself you know and I I think that appealed to me as a kid anyway I worked at the Little Angel met this person Professional life she called There's Tortoise. Uh, and Hartley. There's Topof.
1: Uh, and Hartley. And
0: tortoise, Topof. Uh, and Hartley Hare. So the, the puppets in, in Pipkins, they were actually the first ones that you worked with professionally then?
2: On the TV, yes. I've yeah. done quite a bit in the theatre. I think I, I did work for a very short time after I left school at the Little Angel. But it wasn't really what I wanted to do, though um, I moved away from it for probably for about three or four years. So we're now talking about, you know, in my early twenties, I I started to do pickins and struggled with it a bit at first yep. because it again, as I said, it wasn't what I wanted to do. But uh, eventually, I began to realise what uh, what an extraordinary art form it is, and that I was good at it. I could do it and course there weren't that many people doing it in tv certainly in the 70s and so i kind of stayed with it a little bit more had a little blip around the age of 30 uh, where i tried to produce some tv programs because i thought that was what i wanted to do um uh, but then went back into it in my very early 30s with uh, spitting image
0: oh yeah of course yeah now pipkins was (laughs) I mean I, it, as you say it ended in 1981 which was the year before I was born and right. I, I don't really remember it being repeated that much so I came to it as an adult yeah. uh, but perhaps even more as an adult it's, it's very clear that it's quite a, a groundbreaking show in its its educational approach it is um, you know sort of what inspired the, that unique approach that the series took well
2: essentially rainchild if you like of michael jeans and susan Pleet. michael was the producer uh and occasional writer and susan was the original writer for the series she wrote the original series i think and she and um and michael got together and uh, up with this idea basically uh, it was something that wasn't being done anywhere in other words it was drama for preschool children yeah uh, usually preschool children were sort of rainbow type shows where sure. there were happy people in a studio somewhere you didn't know where and um, and then there was people that came in and sang a song and danced around um but but we tried to create a sort of reality you know there was a I know it was a surreal reality but it was it was a kind of reality and and the idea was that it wasn't necessarily teaching you how to read or or count although that was a very soft element in it um it was more to do about teaching uh, kids how to live with each other and how to get on with each other how to have relationships all that sort of stuff very early on quite as you say quite groundbreaking Unfortunately, since it was uh, cancelled in eighty-one, I, I I may be wrong here, but I don't think there's been anything else quite like it.
0: Yeah, I suppose that there's there's been elements of it, in other shows, but there's no, there's nothing that immediately springs to mind that I that, well,
2: not for preschool. Not no, for
0: preschool, absolutely not. No, because
2: uh, because you've got you um, uh, things like um, in the night garden and all those things. That's kind of basically you know lots of pretty colours and and movement and. Bit trippy. Um, (laughs) uh, There's nothing with the kind of drama element that we have.
0: No, Uh, no. I mean, am I right in thinking that that Pipkins was one of the first children's shows to directly tackle death as a subject?
2: I believe it was. Yes, because there is a famous show in America where the presenter died, and I can't remember the name of it now. But uh, we were actually about almost almost ten years before that happened. I think. Yeah, uh, George Woodbridge, who was playing Inigo Pipkin, which was the original title of the programme. Yeah. Uh, he was the main character in it uh, George woodbridge was an, uh, an elderly actor um, who had been you know in every british b movie that you 've ever seen <laughs> certainly if he were, if it was a horror movie where he was the the innkeeper in um, in Transylvania or somewhere. Yeah. anyway George um, sadly died during the mid making of the second series and we 'd recorded it out of sequence, so we had to um, we had to kind of at the moment pretend he was every so often there was an episode where he wasn't there yeah so um we he'd, he'd always gone fishing or something like that yeah actually. um but when the third series started michael the producer decided that we should uh say what had happened basically um and uh difficult to know exactly how it was received except we i do know we got one person who was very upset and said her, her child had had a trauma about it and just lost her grandfather or something right. i think it was probably more the parent that was upset rather than the child yeah sure but we did get a lot of letters saying um thank you for bringing up this subject it actually um i had an interesting discussion with my five-year-old afterwards you know um, yeah so we did it again about three years later we did uh or a little bit later anyway we did uh, we lost a goldfish and we talked about it again then so, yeah, fairly controversial.
0: Yeah, but but very effective by the sound
2: of it. Yeah, yeah, it did, yeah, yeah.
0: Now, I wanted to talk to you specifically uh, about the character of Hartley Hare, who yes. is, is possibly the puppet that people most associate you with. My name is Hartley Hare, and today I'm going to talk to you about being naughty. Now, we're talking about kind of the, the realism of, of Pipkins, and... He's a very different-looking puppet from the ones he, that we're used to now. I think he's—he's he's a very—he's got a very kind of earthy rough around the edges look. He almost looks like a a real hair, doesn't he?
2: Yeah. Well, uh, the reason for that was that they—they that they didn't want it to look all squeaky clean. Yeah. You know, it, was a, it was a conscious thing to to make him slightly, uh, well, people say manky or whatever. <laughs> but you know, there was, it was—it was a conscious thing to do that, and you know, uh, we. Uh, people kind of criticise us as, as having said almost as if, we, well, we didn't spend any money on it. But, you know, that wasn't the case. It was actually a conscious decision. He was supposed to be uh, something made out of an old jumper because yeah. uh, George Woodbridge had been the puppet maker and he'd made all these characters out of things that he'd recycled. So in a way, although we didn't make a thing of it, it was kind of an early recycling yeah. programme as well. <laughs> so um, that was the idea of it and that's why... Occasionally, sometimes at the time, because we didn't have the well, I certainly didn't have the background and knowledge that I have now. The puppets weren't well looked after, I will concede to that. And (laughs) they did begin to fall apart. Uh, And you know, that wasn't my kind of area, so I wasn't a maker. So, uh, and he didn't seem, Michael didn't seem to be too bothered about it. So, every so often, they would get repaired or replaced. But Hartley was only replaced times i
0: think over the whole 10 years so. yeah well, i think it, it it's very i've always thought it's very effective because i think it makes that that juxtaposition of the way he looks and his is sort of histrionic yeah. personality it makes yeah. that that all, all the funnier yeah uh, what was it that inspired that that personality that you gave him
2: well it was kind of written yeah it was it was a uh, um descriptions and it was actually kind of written that he was the sort of um, i can't remember exactly how it was described now but histrionic is quite a good word <laughs> yeah. he, was, he was the kind of slightly he was the one that would always go in there make all the mistakes be sorry at the end of it and then everyone would forgive him <laughs> yeah. yeah it was it was all that was the kind of premise you know and he in other words he was the one that was always putting his foot in it you know all, all of that sort of thing Yes. Yeah. Yeah, you can hear it's nothing like my real voice.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Yeah.
2: (laughs) So uh, I don't know. I don't know. It just seemed to me to be right. The other thing was um, that I I was playing. I was playing several characters actually, but I played two regular characters, which was Hartley and Tortoise. Yeah. And I wanted to make the two voices very, very uh, different. Yeah, of course. So the Tortoise was a deep voice. (laughs) So like that. it was a very high (laughs) voice and you wouldn't believe
0: it was coming from the same person (laughs) No, sitting here and right now I can't believe
2: uh, it feels like I've got three people on the line Well, there you go, and then my (laughs) own own voice was the narration of the
0: programme Yeah, um, now do do you feel because certainly uh, watching Pipkins and, and other work that you've done, I feel that as an adult viewer and as a child viewer, I can, I can build up relationships with puppets on screen strongly as strongly as with any of the human characters. As, as a puppeteer, do you, do you ever feel you actually build up a bit of a relationship with certain puppets that you are controlling? I think that way madness
2: lies. <laughs> um, I, I, yeah, of course, you, you, you're fond of characters. I mean, I, yeah. I uh, I, I played that character for ten years, you know, it was a great opportunity for me right at the beginning of my career doing this stuff, uh, for me, A, to learn the technique, you know, and that was, you know, there's there's one episode that exists in the very early days where I can see, you know, that my uh, performance technique in front of a camera um, is sadly lacking because I'd had no experience at yeah, all, well. I was thrown in at the deep end. <laughs> and yet when you look at it later on you can see, you know, that I'd learned so much over those, those ten years.
0: Now one series that I'm, I'm very excited to talk to you about is uh, Spitting Image. Now we said groundbreaking once about about Pipkins, which it was, but this this still feels like a, a truly groundbreaking show and it's um it can be easy for people nowadays who are more used to the sort of cutting satirical series that are kind of taken from that to to not realise just quite how exciting and dangerous it seemed at the time. Uh, was it as unusual and exhilarating a show to work on as it was to watch?
2: Yes, I have to say it's clearly <laughs> Certainly yeah. it was because um, we had a terrific producer, who is John Lloyd, um, who was willing to take chances and risks. You, you say that um, the current um, satire is, uh, I don't think it's really, it really gets anywhere near what we were doing no. in many ways because so many people are willing to take court action these days (laughs) Uh, I think I think everyone's a bit more cautious now Uh, we definitely took chances we definitely sailed close to the mark several times because I was told that by John so um, and uh, we definitely got away with things that uh, you know sometimes I think that the producers would like to have been um taken to court but um we never were <laughs>
0: we've had some threats but um, yeah i was going to say certainly a, a lot of a lot of people who were portrayed on there were, were fans of it weren't they and some people were quite flattered by the uh yeah
2: i think initially it was they were shocked by it all but yeah. eventually if you weren't on it and you're a politician <laughs> you, you were somehow missing something so <laughs> i think they really wanted to be on it eventually
0: yeah it sort of became a way of knowing that you'd, you'd made it to the big time i suppose
2: yeah <laughs> that's right yeah it's
0: magic. It's magic. I have now read the recommendations from your various
1: departments. Uh, I have had a chance to consider your detailed proposals. Oh dear. Based on the suggestions of the working policy committees, I have weighed up the options open to us for the next term. I see. And I can announce exactly what we are going to do for the next five years.
2: Uh, <laughs> whatever we like!
0: Did you find it? A significantly different experience working on a children's show and then on an adult show.
2: Oh yeah, it was totally different. Yeah. I mean, the budget was different for one thing. Yeah, <laughs> that <laughs> makes a big difference. Uh, yeah, um, well, it was it was intense, you know, because we we made a half hour show every week, but we shot about an hour. This is in the early days. We shot about an hour of material. Wow. Because you know, John, one of John's principles was overshoot so that you you can choose the best. Yeah. And so we were shooting a hell of a lot of material, and it was, it was, it was intense and, and very, um, quite exhausting, actually. We shot it over three days each episode, and um, the number of sets that went through the studio in that time was enormous, and they were huge sets, usually. I mean, yeah. they were life-size sets. So, um, yeah, it was it wasn't easy to shoot, but it was very exciting to be... To be in the pub on a Monday night and hear people talking about what you'd been doing the day before. <laughs> I, I found that really great.
0: Yeah, yeah, well, it used to be the PE cue for us, standing waiting to do PE. We used to go out Spitting
2: Image <laughs> the night before.
0: Um, yeah. uh, obviously, when you were you were doing Pipkins, you were, you were voicing the puppets you were controlling, but on Spitting Image, there were actually, there were Impressionists doing That's the voices, right. weren't there? How does, yeah. how does it work when you're controlling the puppet, but someone else's voice in it?
2: in an ideal world it's not the best thing to do um, because uh, you know you want to give the complete performance but it's a different
0: Now, was there was there an element of uh, sort of uh, being an impressionist yourself? Did you have to s- study the famous people whose puppets you were you were controlling to uh, to get yeah, well, sort of the movements down? And
2: things? We did start out doing that because um, obviously we we were very intense and in trying to pick up the little things that that, that they, they did. We began to notice, as particularly as Margaret Thatcher got stronger and stronger, that the politicians were becoming blander and blander. <laughs> that's the word, um, and so that we were finding it very difficult to find things that they were doing. So we began to create things for ourselves. They, be, they, we, they began to take a life on of their own, and we played the same characters most of the time. Yes, yeah. we tried to stick to the same characters so that um, y- you know we could follow that through, and I think quite successfully some of the traits that we gave those uh, politicians weren't necessarily theirs but <laughs> something that we thought that they might have done <laughs> yeah. they, as a caricature. It's, it's the same as caricature, you know. Yeah. I saw, funny enough, I saw Roger Law being interviewed yesterday online somewhere and he said, we don't create who they are, we create what you, what we want you to see them to be. Yeah. If that's understandable.
0: Oh, absolutely, <laughs> and, yeah.
2: Larry, dear, dear Larry. Ah, Johnny, dear, dear, dear Johnny. Whaty?
1: Ah, tea. Dear tea. Dear dear tea.
0: Now we do, we touched briefly there on uh, on Jim Henson, and obviously as a, as a fan of, of puppets, uh, Jim Henson is one of my personal heroes, and the first name that comes into a lot of people's heads when you mention puppetry. Yeah. Uh, and you've you've worked on several projects connected with Jim, haven't you? Uh, yeah. Including the, the brilliant Labyrinth, which is a film that I've loved ever since I was a, a child. Uh, what, what puppets did you work with in, in Labyrinth?
2: Well, in Labyrinth, it was kind of my first introduction properly to the Henson Company. Yeah. I did about two sequences in it. I did the, um, the Dance the Magic Dance, which was oh. the well, one where he throws the baby in the air. <laughs> yeah. And I also <laughs> did the end sequence where there's a battle in the, um, in the village. There were other bits and pieces which I can't quite remember, but um, but I, those were the kind of two main things I did. Yeah, it took us about a week to shoot the dance, magic dance sequence, and I was doing background characters. I could point them out to you in the in on the screen if you and, and if you see the um, if you see the making of, you can see me looking through a hole in the set, <laughs> talking to I think it was Brian or Brian Henson or something. I can't remember, but uh, yeah, I could tell you where I was on the on the screen. And yeah, that.
0: that- that touches on something that I was I was actually going to ask you because uh, obviously you often you when you're working puppets you're, you're not always at the forefront of the action you're often in the background. Can you always pick out your own work no matter where you were?
2: Well, it depends. Um, there are certain things like I could tell you as I said I know I remember that one. I don't know why I remember it, but I remember it very clearly which one I was doing. Um, I couldn't tell you in the battle scenes what, what I was doing there, um, yeah, because that was much more there were much. Shots, much bigger things. Uh, when it comes to Muppet Christmas Carol, which I also worked on, yeah. uh, I could tell you certain things that I did. But, you know, I can point them out. Yeah. But I remember doing a huge amount of work in the Scrooge's office with the rats ah. clearing up. Um, <laughs> and specifically, I couldn't tell you what I did, but I know I was involved in that.
0: But if you saw the if you saw the footage now, do you think you could you could recognise that it was you?
2: No. <laughs> because, so it's, it's no, not. I can't <laughs> all kinds of stuff like that i can't remember exactly what i was doing yeah. but i do remember i mean and this is weird why something stick in your head there's a scene where the penguins are skating outside and there's a penguin looking through the railings which i know i was doing <laughs> um i do remember walking up and down behind michael Caine, singing um, here goes mr something <laughs> Homebook,
1: goes mr. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> i remember doing all that uh, i couldn't tell you which puppet i was operating though um things like that so you can remember uh, in treasure island i had to do a stunt shot with the black dog uh, who, whose head came through the ceiling uh, the the roof of the uh, inn as it was burning down
1: oh yeah
2: uh, the reason i remember it quite clearly is because i had explosives either side of me <laughs> and and, uh, and my life was slightly at risk there so um, that's that sticks very clearly in my brain <laughs>
0: Well, speaking of like kind of whether you can recognise your own style and things like that, I, it's always struck me watching Jim Henson productions that there there seems to be an element of there being a kind of house style. So a lot of the the puppets seem to move in a kind of consistent way, and they they have their different personalities and everything, but there's similar little gestures and and ticks that uh, that create sort of a consistency. Were you kind of directed to perform in a, a certain? Within a certain established set of parameters, or was it quite creatively open when you were working with Jim Henson?
2: No, I think there's there's definitely what you call a Muppet style, yeah, and uh, and it suits the puppets very well. And I gradually learnt that over a period of time. I did. I ran some workshops for Henson's eventually uh, because I got into the style of, of playing these characters, yeah. And eventually did lots of, uh, I I did 250 programs for them called Muppet Top Shot, which was a uh, TV series for preschoolers again. Um, And all of those were various Muppet characters as guests. And also I've worked for Sesame Street um, for a number of years doing training sessions for, um, and casting sessions for uh, international versions of Sesame Street. Uh, Setting that up because of my experience working with the Muppets. I'd never actually played Sesame Street. I knew the style of performing it and was able to go and uh, set up these various local versions of
0: of the show. Yeah, well, Sesame Street was something I was definitely going to touch on because I think uh, it's not only the greatest children's TV show of all time, I think it's the greatest TV show of all time. And people often laugh at me for thinking that. But I I think there's the incredible amount of work that goes into engaging with the audience and being attentive to the audience's needs is just phenomenal. And I see the fact that there's uh, international versions seems to epitomise that, that for yeah. me. I mean, what, what does that process entail, setting up those, those uh, international
2: versions of the show? Well, first of all, I would agree with you, your latter statements. Of course, I wouldn't agree with your earlier ones <laughs> about it being the best show of all
1: time.
2: <laughs> um, but uh, I do uh, I concede it is, of course, a great piece of work for yeah. uh, preschool children and well what happens around the world is that they they take the sketches which is basically like the Bert and Ernie sketches and so forth yeah things that happen in um what I probably would call no man's land you don't know where it is it's just a room somewhere yeah. or you know or it's just a studio um they take those and they create the show by dubbing those in the foreign language But all the stuff that happens in the street that we see uh, in the street uh, on the American stroke Canadian show, uh, they replace with a local street or equivalent. So, for example, in Russia, it was a square and they had local characters. So there was a full body character like Big Bird, but it wasn't Big Bird. It was a... I mean,
0: I think most people don't don't realise how much how much work goes into it, and that's no, that's huge. Really... Yeah that. There's, there's a real, there's a real ambition, like beyond just just
2: educating children. There isn't there, the- definitely. In that one, it was it was there were social implications, you yeah. know, which may only be being seen now. I don't know. I mean, the idea was that the, that uh, that we would they would integrate the show. The show had been running in Israel for some time, for probably about twenty years, I think, and um, and they wanted to have a Palestinian segment to it, and that it would be integrated into the show, right. And
0: Now, sometimes you've, uh, you've had the opportunity to work with a, a real sort of iconic puppet, like you've, you've uh, controlled Animal a couple of times, haven't you, in the, the Renault advert, for instance, and uh, on yeah. the X Factor. Uh, yeah. is, it, is it intimidating to be entrusted with bringing to life such a renowned, beloved character?
2: Well, funny enough, not in those circumstances, because in a way I was kind of playing it, yeah uh, and you're doubling for somebody, for example, and you 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 speak of animal yeah. um, at the moment it's being played by the same guy that does miss Piggy. And-
0: So when you're in f- when you're in full control of it, and you feel less pressure,
2: it feels easier. I still have to think about what he would do. Yeah, you know? uh, but it doesn't feel so pressured as having him sitting there on the set looking at me <laughs> and saying, "No, you. Can- <laughs> he's not looking in the right place. He wouldn't do that. He wouldn't do that. No, no he doesn't. He's not like that. I mean, Eric isn't like that. Yeah, you know? uh, but you know, the- the- that's always at the back of your mind when yeah, you're doing sure. somebody else's character.
0: Now, you, you also worked uh, with, uh, we went from Frank Oz briefly there, and you worked on his Little Shop of Horrors. Yeah. Um, were was. you working with the Audrey 2 then, though, which for people who haven't seen the film is the giant alien plant puppet?
2: <laughs> I was, yeah. Um, it was another situation. The same thing happened, funnily enough, as, as in Labyrinth. Uh, Anthony, who was, uh, you know, we were doing Spitting Image at the time, and Anthony had played the plant in London and was desperate to work on the movie. So I had to say okay well I'll stay with spit and do and you know be the, the strength there yeah. while you go off and do the movie but I was I really wanted to work on it too because I love the show I just love that show it's fantastic yeah. it is a fantastic show so I finally got to do a little bit um, on uh, Mean Green Mother from Outer Space I'm just a mean green
0: mother from outer space and I'm bad I'm just a mean green mother from outer space and it looks like <laughs> I'm just a mean, weird mother,
1: but out of space, so get off my back, get off my face, cause I'm mean and green. and
2: I am bad. <laughs> and I was doing one of the little pods um, who um, <laughs> sing uh, mean and green and uh, various <laughs> other things. Uh, the first day I went in, though, the whole thing broke down, so we all went home again. So oh, that, right. <laughs> that was a bit of a short day, but...
0: Have to look out for that. It's any, <laughs> any
2: excuse to watch that film again. Really, isn't but, um, uh, but it was great. It was great to be involved. It was great to do it, and you know, um, and, and it was huge. There was forty people on that plant, I think, at one yeah. time. You know,
0: and so were you, you. Were you like working in close collaboration with them, at, like simultaneously on the same puppet? That, was doing great fun now we've heard, we've talked about quite a lot of uh, famous and iconic shows and films that you worked on but there's uh, you've worked on a lot of, of smaller shows that uh that i often find not not as many people remember but one of one of my favorite shows as a kid and which i still think was brilliant was round the bend oh, yeah. uh where you played vince vermin didn't
2: you <laughs> oh right let's see what i've got for me birthday then what's this he did cockroach Oh, marvellous. Well,
0: it's a very good dead cockroach. It's got all its
1: legs. You could have it um, stuffed and mounted.
2: Stuffed and mounted. Yes, it would look quite
0: good on the shelf over there. Maybe next to a stuffed and mounted gag-writing rodent called Vincent. Now, that was a really exciting show, because I think that, that kind of... If you look at kids' TV now, that it's uh, there's sort of toilet humour all over the place, but it wasn't like that back when this came out, and I, I feel like it, it's very... Uh, it feels dumbed down now whereas round the Bend had a sort of almost not to sort of overstate it too much but it had an almost sort of Chaucerian wit to the vulgarity as well um, yeah. Did you? do you have fond memories of working on that show? Or? Absolutely, yeah it was great to
2: do, <laughs> uh, of course it was done, created by the Spitting Image team yeah. so, um, so it was inevitably going to be well thought through Yes. Yeah. And the guys that wrote it, they were great. They were comic writers, I think. They'd been, I think they may have been working on Viz or something like that.
1: Yeah.
2: I mean, it was kind of groundbreaking, really, because there'd been nothing like it. And we got three series, and we did three series. It's a shame it didn't go on, but um, it was good fun to work on. (laughs) And it had a bit of a budget for a children's show. Yeah. It was quite unusual. It was quite, quite an extensive set and lots of animation in it as well. Know, which uh, was great animated sequences. Yeah, um, it's a shame really that it's not more available or more known. Yes, you're right.
0: Yeah, that's what is something that I've always been waiting for for it to to come out on DVD and, and be widely available because I think yeah. it's something that that kids would still really respond to.
2: Yeah, well, talk to um, talk to Network DVD. Yeah,
0: yeah, they, I'll, I'll send them an got... email after this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Now we're talking a, a little bit about you uh, working with Setting Up on Sesame Street and you've uh, you've also uh, worked quite extensively with its kind of stage adult equivalent Avenue Q, aren't you? Training puppeteers.
2: Well, yes I have and that came out of my jobs with Sesame Street.
0: Ah, that was a direct progression from that, was. was
2: it? Yeah, absolutely because at some point during the course of the years I was working for Sesame. I got a call from them saying um, that Peter Linz, who was one of the Muppet puppeteers uh, and works on Sesame Street, ha- uh, used to look after the show in Germany. Uh, and for some reason they had to replace a character now, uh, like at that, that particular time. Yeah. Uh, and he um, was making Sesame Street at the time, so he couldn't go over to Germany. So would I step in for him? Uh, and in the course of it, i have never met Peter, uh, but we had a conversation on the phone you know, about what he wanted me to do, and you know, what, you know, so I was you know, standing in for him. And that was it. You know, never met Peter, didn't meet him after that for a while. Yeah. Anyway, it turns out that he was working on the Broadway show. And when Cameron mackintosh decided to bring it to London, they said to Peter, um, Is there anyone you can recommend? Well, I was the only person he knew in London, really. Certainly the only person he knew that had kind of training capabilities because yeah. I'd been deal really in that way because i all that experience plus the fact that i was here um and so it wasn't a given that i got the job but i had to do the interview and you know but i got on really well with the director and the, the uh, assistant director so uh, i got the job thankfully because i've now been working on it for oh gosh what is it now in 12 years something uh, between me and you i think-
0: Mean we go around committing hate crimes. So, presumably, it's a process you enjoy, then, is it?
2: You yeah. Yeah, I do. Thank God it's not a tragedy <laughs> uh, because I've seen it about 250 times. <laughs>
0: To, uh, to touch briefly on uh, some of the uh, commercial work you've done and you've you've worked on on several quite well-known adverts like the Dolmio family and the PG Tips monkey yeah uh, do, do you feel that that's a, a very different process from from working on a series just doing adverts
2: yeah.
1: delicious taste of
2: pg well the mortgage won't pay itself i now know ben's patterns very well when he's playing this character so we can you know pretty early on actually we could start doing um, live stuff where he would or i wouldn't know what he was going to say
0: yeah but i could actually follow him and do you do you feel because uh, i've spoken to uh, several animators who, who did commercial work and they they felt not as attached to to the commercial work as they did their own films, but from a from a point of view of a puppeteer, do you do you feel as much pride in your commercial work as anything else?
2: Well, some of it, yes, I think so, because because you know the production values are often very high. Yeah. Um, sometimes you know you think, oh well, okay, that's just another few hundred pounds in the bank, but, <laughs> uh, but often you know no, I, I think I've, most of the stuff that I've done. A lot of the commercials I did in the early days were uh, through Spitting Image. Spitting Image used to get commissioned to do commercials. Yeah. And uh, the production values would always be high. They'd spend a lot of money on it and you know, it was never, never, ever cheap. So it was like making small movies. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, you know, that was, that was a great double act, I think. Yeah,
0: and I think Monkey has, he has passed into the, the culture now as much as, as any other puppet character, hasn't he? People love him.
2: I think so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was the reason that, that he started doing the PG ads because originally he was designed to do uh, the ads for ITV Digital, but the company went bust after 18 months, oh. and so Monkey went into limbo. <laughs> He's actually owned by Comic Relief, um, oh. the charity, and uh, Unilever, who owned PG Tips, um, make a donation every year for his youth
0: Oh wow! Right. Um, we t- we talked a, uh, a, a second ago as well about how the spit and image puppets were used in adverts and stuff. And it's, it's just occurred to me that uh, they also turned up in a few music videos, didn't they? And were you were you a part of any of the music videos they appeared in?
2: Yeah, so the first thing I did for them, funnily enough, was a, a music video for the monkeys um, guy Pete.
0: Pete to talk.
2: Pete to talk. Yeah. Pete to talk. He had a. Um, Uh, a show in america and um it was earth angel we did the 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 video for earth angel for his american show and it was directed by mickey dolens who was one of the monkeys yeah and um yeah that was the first thing i did for them and then after that we did land of confusion for genesis yes which (laughs) um was pretty extraordinary that was about i think we must have shot on that for about a week
0: and was that a completely different experience actually having to lip sync to the the song or?
2: yes yeah quite easy really because you know when it, something is rhythmic like that and a lot of it was just images anyway it wasn't necessarily us lip syncing
0: so. yeah and then the, obviously spit uh, spitting image that had it, had their own number one single as well didn't they it's the time of year now that spring is in the air when
2: there's too wet that so we did, yes. Yeah. We were on top of the pops for three weeks running.
0: <laughs> oh, so you, you did top of the pops?
2: I did, yeah. Oh, yeah. fantastic! <laughs> yeah, I never expected to be doing that in my thirties. I have to say, <laughs> <laughs> I never expected to be doing it at all. No. Hold chicken in the air, the deck chair up your nose, buy a jumbo jet, and then bury all your clothes. We were being blared at by Billy Ocean, who was across the. street. Oh, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, no. It was great fun. That was really good fun to do. Um,
0: and uh, just just briefly, while we we're on adverts, you also uh, you starred in the the famous vix adverts as Malcolm, didn't you? Oh, Bob. I can't take my exams blocked up like this. Of course you can, Malcolm. Use this Vicks
2: silent nasal Spray. Oh, Bob.
0: Malcolm. Do you do you feel more confident in front of a camera with or without a puppet?
2: Well, I can't say it either, really, because, um, I mean, lately, of course, I haven't really done much in front of the cameras myself. Yeah. Since Spitting Image started to take off, my, the first 10 years of my professional life, uh, I was doing a, a sort of 50 50. But, you know, that experience of becoming very, very famous, very recognizable, uh, I think put me off a bit. yeah To do it, you know, because it's very intrusive in your life. Uh, and, I, you know, I understand that's what the business is about, you know, but it, it, it really taught me, it really made me think, you know, by the time I got to 30, I was thinking to myself, is this really what I want in my life, you yeah. know, for the rest of my life, you know, and, you know, I have great friends who are, who are, you know, from the days of Pipkins, uh, Sue Nichols, for example, who is, um, plays Audrey in the Incarnation Street, yeah. she's very recognisable, you know, and when if we're out together, she's very very gracious and, and you know it, it deals with it extremely well but she's been doing it all her life so she's used to it but I just I got to the point where I, uh, did I want that and I think that's kind of what steered me in the way of the puppet
0: yeah so the relative anonymity that you get from puppeteering is uh, yeah. is something yeah. that you quite do you still and get recognised though from those
2: old adverts hardly and ever hardly yeah. ever uh, people certainly remember it if, if I if I say if I say you know I did it but I don't I don't go around telling people that <laughs> <laughs> but, it, but people find out yeah and people do know it still and funny enough they still remember lines from it you know they remember lines from the commercials. yeah um and and it's not on youtube as far as I know so they have to remember it from when it was going out in the 70s
0: yeah <laughs> it still turns up on these greatest advert lists and oh, things doesn't yeah. it and
2: yeah well it's extraordinary it was an extraordinary experience you know um, the first thing i 'd done in front of the camera too um, yeah. the very first one I did, which was a successful one uh, and and um vix wanted to keep showing it through the whole ten years it ran wow. um and uh, but but there 's a little story behind that the director wanted to wanted to make it funny he wanted me to say "bum instead of "Mum" <laughs> and things like that you know he wanted to really really go, go over the top yeah said, you know this is too serious this ad he said so um anyway halfway through the morning there was a little huddle in the corner of the agency people and the director and i'm thinking oh god i'm not doing this properly i'm going to be fired anyway it turned out that they 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 didn't they thought he was making a joke of it and uh, oh. and it's a serious thing because it's a medical ad and yeah you know, uh, Anyway, anyway he persuaded them to let them let him shoot it two ways and so we did everything twice one with a more and he cut the two together and fortunately he persuaded them to use the comedy one because, <laughs> uh, because it just ran forever. You know? Yeah, And it sold the product which what I discovered afterwards it did actually increase their sales mm-hmm. which is what it's all about.
0: Yeah. Now I think we should, we should finish up here by talking about the very exciting news that you're currently working on another puppet series with several members of the Pipkins team uh, yeah. Monty & Co.
2: Yeah well actually we just finished Oh um, over the December and january wow. uh we've shot thirty four programs and it's uh, you're the first person I've talked to about it oh fantastic uh, so uh, <laughs>
0: incredible actually you'd think that would have influenced more considering the success wouldn't you but mm.
2: people are very adventurous when no. it comes to young children i think and uh, so we've tried to do that again we've uh, we've built on the strengths you know looking for things that we felt were weaknesses in the original program and um, and so we've been able to create new characters which um, which are stronger uh, certainly the female character um, we have created a new female character Great. who is much icy and much more um, out there if you like Um, so yeah um, now we're in post production for it Uh, it'll be ready uh, to go somewhere, we're not quite sure where it's going to end up but uh, it will be ready sometime in the middle of the year we reckon
0: Fantastic, so. so the original idea was for it to be an internet show wasn't it? So what's, so, what's the, the premise of the show
2: then? Well, funny enough, it's some animal characters living in a shop. <laughs> <laughs>
0: seen the I've seen the images of the puppets and they have like that that classic style to them, don't they, that I think will appeal to children but their parents And are uh, you, yeah. you taking a, a quite an active role. Are you, uh, are you voicing the character, any of the characters?
2: Yeah, and- I am. I'm doing uh, the main character, Monty, who, who has a voice very similar to it's funny enough. <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's something that you you slip back into quite easily. Did you enjoy the experience yeah. of it? Yeah, look just looking at the team that are behind it it's it's really exciting. I love the fact that uh, even your lawyer has written episodes of Chucklevision. Vision. That's right.
2: <laughs> the only uh, um, comedy writing lawyer. <laughs> yeah. That's right. He has. and uh, and will write will write episodes for us too.
0: My sincerest and warmest thanks to Nigel Plaskett for his fascinating insight into his prestigious career. You can find out more about Nigel and his work at his website, nigelplaskett.com and about his new series, Monty & Co at montyandco.co.uk You've been listening to Spoiler with me, Andy Golding. You can find out more about Spoiler and listen to our past shows at spoilerpodcast.co.uk or find us on Facebook, Twitter, Acast and iTunes. Spoiler is produced by Johnny Hoare and is recorded at the studios of Siren FM in the heart of the beautiful cathedral city of Lincoln.
2: It's a glove puppet. Mm.
0: You know, you can be naughty with a glove puppet.